Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of the Undead Rabbits podcast, the lighter horror podcast, where we hand you a cushion to hide behind as we delve into all things spooky. I'm Undead Rabbits, and joining me today, as always, is my dazzling co-host, Arsis extraordinaire, Vera. Hello. <sighs> episode 2, Vera, can you believe it? Did you ever think we'd make it this far? Absolutely not. With the technical difficulties of episode one, I didn't think we'd get past episode one. <laughs> You're not meant to tell them these things. Don't look behind the curtain. That's the rule. It's true. We are a very well-put-together, giant-talking wizard face. <laughs> a giant, long-eared, buck-tooth, monochrome wizard face. Beautiful. So, Vera, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. It's a bit rainy, a bit gloomy. I guess it's the perfect time for spooky. Oh, I wish it was rainy and gloomy here. It is stiflingly warm. It is, like, 27 degrees here, and in British weather, that's like sitting in a volcano. It's disgusting. Yeah, I... yeah... I appreciate your sympathy. I listen, as someone who's grown up in a disgusting swampland, I understand. And speaking of growing up, we're not hopping on some bandwagon today. We're not doing anything recent. Today, we're going to be looking into the past and going over some of our childhood fears. <laughs> Vera, you know I dub in the audio. I don't need you to do it for me. Yes, but I want to feel included. Oh. At least it's royalty-free, as far as we know. As far as we know. But, before we go any further, let me put in a quick disclaimer from Future Rabbits. Hey everyone, Future Rabbits here, with this episode's content warning. Here at Undead Rabbits, we like to preface every episode with a list of sensitive topics we'll be covering, to allow you to make an informed decision regarding your listening experience. In this episode, we'll be covering topics including, but not limited to, gore, violence, body horror, fear of animals, specifically dogs, and car accidents. If you think we've left anything out of this content warning after listening to this episode, then please let us know in the comments. Enjoy the episode, everyone. Stay spooky, and most importantly, stay safe. Right, so, for this episode, we each picked out five fears from our childhoods for a total of ten, and what we're going to be doing is alternating between each other, talking about these fears, trying to figure out why they scared us so much, and just trying to do therapy on each other, because talking to your friends about your emotions is far better than hiring a therapist. Certified. You can guarantee it from us here, folks. We're real doctors. No, don't, actually. Please don't. That <laughs> no, was a joke. I take it back. This is a joke. Please don't take that seriously. So, Vera, would you like to start, or should I start us off? Hmm, how about you set us off, my wonderful co-host? Why, thank you, my wonderful co-host. So, the very first fear that I would like to describe to you today is... <laughs> oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> so... That's what we're um... here for, baby embarrassment. So, when I was growing up, my parents had a lot of DVDs in their collection, because they were cool back then, as all parents are. Definitely, for sure. 
Citation needed. A citation we'll definitely have after this episode is up. <laughs> and all the DVDs were stored in the office with the computer in, because this is back the day when there was just one computer per household. You know, the dark times. The Middle Ages. <laughs> like, early 2000s. And Back so, when we doing... killed super mammals <laughs> with spears and rocks. So, and with the computer in this office, that's where I'd go to do homework and assignments and stuff. That's where I would go. And so, I'd be facing the desk with a computer on it, but right behind me there'd be all these DVDs, and of course, all curious bored me, I would go looking at them. And there was this one DVD cover that absolutely horrified me. Not even the cover, really. It was the spine more than anything. They were all lined up. And for some reason, the spine of this DVD scares the shit out of me. Um, Vera, I haven't showed you it yet, so let me send it to you right now and tell me what you think of this. Some live breaking news. Let's see. <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> so for those of you listening... Um, the spine of this DVD is entirely black, and it's for a film called Creep. And there's, like, some scratches across the word creep in, like, white. It's all very, <laughs> very passe for what we do nowadays. And the little image at the very top of the spine is just a hand pressing against glass, and there's, like, blood running down it. Oh, no. Bloody smeared handprint. Very classic. See, me looking at this now, I am not finding it scary at all. But little me looking at that, I was like, ah! <laughs> I of was course. horrified. <laughs> it's absolutely mortifying. What was I meant to think? In a otherwise pretty plain DVD rack, there was just this horrible little hand dragging itself down. Of course, I had no idea what the film was about. I was never going to take it down and read the description. Of course not. Horrified. It was scary enough as it. is. And now as an adult, I know what the film's about. I feel like a little dummy. <laughs> because it doesn't sound frightening at all. And that's what a lot of this episode is going to be. <laughs> Feeling like little dummies, retroactively. Woo! Um, let, me, let me read some of the quotes from the back of this DVD. And actually, the front cover of it is very similar to the picture on the spine. Except it's a subway train with a little hand rain down the glass, trailing blood. And the title is Creep, with the subtitle, Your Journey Terminates Here. Which, let's be real, is a dog shit subtitle. It, it really is. <laughs> if I heard that, I think it'd be about, like, an airport horror or something, you know? With, like, your terminals and stuff, but... No. As the quote at the top of the picture says, on the back... And the picture is too low resolution for me to tell who's saying it. But the quote at the top of the back of the cover is, This film does for public transport what Psycho did for showers. <laughs> the real uh, horror. The real the... horror of public transportation. I mean, public transport in the UK is pretty bad as is. And as far as I know, this is a British production. But... It's just not... <laughs> it's just not presented in a very... I haven't seen the film itself, but I have looked at the plot for the sake of this video. As another quote below says, from the Sunday Express now, taut, frightening, and gruesome, which sounds like it could be describing a very different kind of film. 
<laughs> I mean, it does have 18 just slapped right there on the cover. Strong bloody violence. Oh, you get your bloody violence away from me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough of your bloody violence in this house. <laughs> like, fright, frightening and gruesome. Yeah. Taut. Uh... That is not what I would use to describe a horror series, but all right. So, um, let me read the synopsis of this movie, again, from the back cover. London, midnight, on a cold evening. Unable to find a taxi. Kate heads for the underground. And that's the underground with a capital U. That's how you know it's scary. She takes a seat away from the crowd of late-night revelers and waits for the last train. Before long, she drifts off to sleep and wakes to find everyone gone. Ooh. I mean, if I woke up in an empty train car, I'd be pleased. Give me like a stretch my legs out. But... Stick those leggies out. Stick them out. She momentarily panics until another train pulls in. She bores, unnerved that she's the only passenger, but relieved at last to be on her way. Halfway through the tunnel, the train jerks to a violent halt. The light shuts off and the train is plunged into darkness. Kate screams. She is trapped in the dark. She is not alone. Her nightmare has just begun. This film sounds fucking awful. <laughs> it sounds just <laughs> terrible. And from what I read of the film, it's... I'm not an advocate for just looking at plots for films, but with Creep I can make an exception. There's like a guy living in like the underground called Creep and he chases her down. And there's like a plot line where there's like an abandoned underground abortion hospital. It's very bizarre. Listen, I... Not judging something by its cover and all that, yet listen, I can tell this movie shit just by looking at it. <laughs> this entire anecdote is me judging things by their covers, though. Or by their spines, rather. Exactly! <laughs> it's about me being I a mean... scared little weenie. Hey, you never had to have that fear become a fear of trains because you didn't look at the cover. <laughs> That's true, I'm not scared of trains. I mean, I dislike them because they're far too expensive than they need to be, and they're not looked after very well. But, you know, I'm not scared that my train's going to jerk to a violent halt, the lights shut off, and the train is plunged into darkness. Exactly. And when yeah. you don't need to worry about that, you're doing just fine. <laughs> So, thank you, Creep, for putting my fears of public transport into perspective, because I'm not going to run into an underground abortion hospital with a guy called Creep in it. Yeah. So, that's good to get off my chest. Vera, would you like to hit us with your first childhood fear anecdotes? Well, funnily enough, we had a pretty good segue into this. Oh, yeah? Without you even knowing, which is... This film did, does for public transport what Psycho did for showers. Which, while also being an absolutely terrible back-of-the-box quote, is vaguely related? What, were you scared of the film Psycho growing up? I mean, that's pretty justified. I hear it's pretty scary. No, no. You see, I've never seen Psycho in my life. In fact, honestly, the only reference to the shower-based killing is just... You know, growing up in the, like, late 90s to early 2000s and seeing that reference pop up approximately every other episode of anything I watched. So you're not scared of Psycho? Why, are you scared of public transport then? No, no. You see, I was scared of showers. Not some... and 
not the way you'd think either. It's one of those odd <laughs> things of, I'm not scared of someone from outside the shower attacking. As a child, I was terrified of the idea that something is waiting in the shower. Oh. Oh. That's very interesting. So, tell you what, actually. Can you describe the setup of the shower that you had when you were growing up, just so I can visualize how scary this would have been? It was your pretty, like, the tub was, like, built into the floor and the wall at the very end of the bathroom. So you'd walk in, open the door, on your right is the sink and the mirror, and at the back of the room is just a drawn curtain and a bathtub with the faint light of a window behind said curtain. Oh, shower curtain. Okay, that's valid. Yes. And every time, I had a basically reverse psycho fear. Not of something attacking me from outside the shower, but something being inside before I would open the curtain. <laughs> Did you say there was a window inside the sort of shower area, like behind the curtain? Yeah, like one of those like little back wall mounted windows that is very tiny and only lets in light from like higher than a person can stand anyway. I, see, that was going to be my thing. I was going to say, if there was light in there, wouldn't you have seen any silhouette? But then again, this is childhood fears. You know, monsters don't have shadows. They just appear. Exactly. And that's why I like taking showers during the day, because if I take it at night, I won't see the <laughs> shadow before it's too late. <laughs> The Shadow Demons. <laughs> so, what did you think was in the shower? Like, did you have an idea in mind? Or was it just whatever was scaring you at that point you thought would just be in the shower? I don't know, honestly. Just some nebulous thing. And not knowing what it was made it worse. Very interesting. <laughs> So I would always creep up to the shower, slowly, slowly, and then pull away the curtain in a big reveal, ready to jump back and scream in panic. And then it was an empty shower. <laughs> I'm sure the creeping really helped with your nerves. <laughs> it really up all this did. Suspense. And I'm going to ask now, when did this fear stop? Jeez, um, after I moved out of that specific house, I want to say, like, it still lasted for a couple years until, like, I want to say fifth grade. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you poor thing. Listen, I, there was no basis for it. I never watched any film about it. I don't know what it was. I was just convinced that something is waiting in the shower. <laughs> at least you were always prepared. Again, with the last one, we turned into positive at the end. If there was ever anything hiding in your shower, you would have been prepared for it. Exactly. Yeah, so you know. Silver linings and all that. And when you said you moved to this new place, what was the shower setup like there? Was that any less daunting? No, honestly, it was actually kind of worse, but I oh. guess that made me just kind of deal with it. <laughs> it's like, you can only get so wet, you can only get so scared, at some point it just plateaus. Something's gotta give. I'm too tired to be scared. 
<laughs> you just want to be clean. Exactly. And honestly, can't we all relate to that gang? So, are there any other aspects of this shower story that you want to share? No, I just found it interesting of my strange reverse psycho fear of a movie I'd never watched. So, were you even aware of Psycho is the thing? Or was it just totally over your head, didn't have any effect on this? Nothing at all. Like, I saw, like, obviously the joke of, like, Oh, uh, there's a shadow behind the shower curtain while someone is in the shower is a reference that has been made so many times that I don't think we could count them all. Hmm, yeah. But I wasn't ever aware of what it was from. Really? Okay. Nope. I, I never have, I never did, and still never have watched the movie Psycho. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> tune in for episode three of Undead Rabbits where we watch Psycho live. <laughs> And I'm scared of showers again forever. <laughs> but from the other side of the curtain, you know, the normal side. <laughs> so you're not scared of interrupting some horrifying demon's shower and then dealing with the social embarrassments. It's true. Maybe that was it all along. <laughs> you were just a very polite young person. You're just like, oh, I don't want to walk in. Hello, occupied. Exactly. Knock, knock. <laughs> Gotta knock on those curtains. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, think you put a bit too much starch in the curtains? They're really rigid. Uh, Horrible. <laughs> the real fear is laundry. Eh, uh, I mean, listen, who among us cannot relate? And speaking of among us, <laughs> no, I don't have a good segue. <laughs> Oh no, no, no segue this time. <laughs> oh, but it is related to films again in a way, but not an actual specific film. In fact, this applies to many films and specifically videos in the UK, as in videotapes. So, Vera, you're aware of various anti-piracy adverts, aren't you? Or commercials or PSAs or whatever, you know? You wouldn't steal a car, you wouldn't steal a bike, you wouldn't steal Texas, stuff like that. Mm -hmm, those kind of things. I always tended to disagree with them. I would absolutely steal <laughs> Texas, but that's neither here nor there. You're all hats, no cattle, I don't believe you. But there was a... Well, I was going to say PSA. In the UK they're called PIS, Public Information Films. This was released in 2002, and the film was called The Pirates Are Out To Get You. Now, when you hear that, what do you imagine it being about? Probably some very stereotypical naval-based pirates trying to get you, physically. <laughs> You'd think. But, uh, tell you what, let me put in an excerpt from this public information film into the podcast and I'll sum up what it is after the fact. So listen to this gang and I'll describe what happens afterwards. The pirates are out to get you. Don't let them brand you with their mark. Piracy funds organized crime and will destroy our film and video industry. Piracy costs jobs 
and will destroy our music and publishing industry. Piracy funds terrorism and will destroy our development and your future enjoyment. Don't touch the hot stuff. Cool is copyright. Copyright is a matter of fact. So, um, if the audio of that wasn't horrifying enough, to quote Wikipedia, it featured a man destroying many items with an X-shaped branding iron, ending with fax logo, which stands for Federation Against Copyright Theft, which I guess is our version of, I don't know, the FCC? Is that what they do in America? Do FCC handle piracy? Sort of. Kind of. Close enough. Yeah. But even this sort of mini-summary doesn't sound like the real horror of it. Vera, have you ever seen Nightmare on Elm Street? I've caught bits and pieces over my childhood, but one of those horror movies I never sat down and watched. Are you aware of the scene where he's in the boiler room making his razor glove? I am aware of that scene. Okay, so imagine that boiler room with all the red lighting and stuff. Except instead of Freddy Krueger, there's just this old sweaty guy with like a branding iron with this terrifying grin on his face thrusting a branding iron into like DVDs and piles of money and just making them explode while that audio plays. And that was at the start of, <laughs> as Wikipedia says again, every rental VHS tape in the UK, as well as most retail tapes. This is what we had, essentially, instead of the FBI warning at the start against piracy. No, I used to think American law enforcement is, like, scary at times. But you just had, like, a big wall of text saying, if you show this to a crowd of people, we'll destroy you. But here it's, like, <laughs> this giant, terrifying Satan man grinning away as he blasts things into oblivion with his branding iron. They need to physically intimidate you to make sure you won't. <laughs> Again, this is 2002. I was two at the time. Imagine getting like a videotape of Thomas the Tank Engine or something and seeing that at the start of it. Nightmarish. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and so the statements as well. Piracy funds organized crime. Like, oh my god. It's true. You steal Thomas the Tank Engine, you're helping the mob. I mean, at the start of the year 2000, it kind of makes sense, because back then it wasn't, like, internet piracy. It was, like, there's a guy down the market selling, like, videotapes at the back of his van, and then he's, like, using that money to, I don't know, deal drugs or whatever. <laughs> but it's, like, when you're a little kid and you don't know about stuff like that, it's, like, piracy finds organized crime. And this terrifying devil man blows up all this stuff with his branding iron, screaming, absolutely horrible. If you don't know what organized crime is, they have to convey it another way. And the other way is branding <laughs> irons and fear. I just thought it was, like, very organized criminals. It's like, you know, they've got, like, their manila folders with all their receipts inside. All their earnings are, like, sorted. I didn't get it. I was two. Uh. Listen, effective way to stop piracy. Traumatize the children. Like, I don't think there's ever been a scarier anti-piracy ad. Like, I don't know that much about American anti-piracy ads. Vera, do you know of any that are rivaling that in terms of scariness? Nope, not a one. Most copyright stuff you see is either PSAs that are very boringly done by some white man in a suit 
who then <laughs> says a bunch of words that theoretically make a sentence, but don't make sense to you unless you actually know all of it. Well, it's not always a white guy. Have you never seen Don't Copy That Floppy? I have not seen Don't Copy That Floppy. Maybe I should. <laughs> Everyone listening to this, please go see Don't Copy That Floppy. And in fact, let's take a break right here. In the break, I'm going to show Vera Don't Copy That Floppy. And after the break, we're going to continue with some more childhood fears. See you after the break, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Did I hear you right? Did I hear you saying that you're gonna make a copy of a game without paying? Come on, guys. I thought you knew better. Don't copy that floppy. Did I hear you right? Did I hear you saying that you're gonna make a copy of a game without paying? Come on, guys. I thought you knew better. Don't copy that floppy. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, so, Vera, what did you think of Don't Copy That Floppy? I think it was an important work of our generation that needs to be shared everywhere, and legally we are allowed to do so. <laughs> we are. What we're not allowed to copy is any other work. Otherwise, the pirates will come to get us, and they will burn us with their marks. It's true. We will be soiled by their brand. Soiled? <laughs> Is that the Soiled! <laughs> Soiled it. Soiled it. Soiled it! God, we're cool. We're very cool, very funny, and very hip with the kids. <laughs> right, so, would you like to bring us in with your next childhood fear anecdote? Yeah, I'd love to. So, you see, my next fear is... Well, it was the greatest, it was motivated by the hardest thing of all. Being loved too much by dogs. Oh, no. Oh, okay. I see where this is going. You see, as a child, I, I had a strange and inexplicable fear of dogs. Nothing ever happened. There were no incidents. I was just terrified of them for some reason that I didn't quite understand. And Aww. you see, normally that wouldn't be a problem. But despite my deep, deep fear, dogs fucking loved me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it sounds like hell. So <laughs> what would happen is basically any time a dog came in contact with me, it would immediately run up in some attempt to give me all the attention and get all the pets while I, a small child, would run in just unstoppable fear. No. Oh. This was not limited to big dogs either, no. I, like, little dogs would scare the shit out of me. That's That scrappy little puppy that reaches like my knee scared the shit out of me. And they don't know that what they're doing is wrong. They don't know you're terrified. How? Oh. oh no. Nope, they sure didn't. <laughs> oh, this is just really sad. I'm so sorry. So what <laughs> resulted thing. was just many dogs who who simply adored me and wanted attention. 
And all I got was fear. Oh no. You said this wasn't from any particular incident. Nothing happens to cause this. Nope. I have had a completely just safe childhood. Nothing related to it. No dog incidents whatsoever. Couldn't tell you. And are you scared of dogs now, or are you, like, okay? No, that's- and that's another reason why I'm adding this into the list, is because it's also inexplicable as to why it just stopped. Huh. Like, how old would you say you were when it stopped? I was 14, 15, maybe? Mm, okay. <laughs> like, this this went past childhood and on for a bit. Oh. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear it. I mean, if it's any consolation, I was very much the same. And the thing is, when it's a big dog, people understand. Because they're like, oh no, sorry, my dog's gonna knock you over, whatever. When it's a little dog that just jumps up at you, people just laugh at you when you're scared of that. It's horrible. Yeah, people just laugh at you or yell at you to stop being such a baby. Oh, the will doesn't understand. Listen, they really don't. But yes, that's the weird inexplicable part. It just kind of stopped. That is really interesting. Just one day, a dog came up to you and just went, No, I feel no fear. <laughs> yeah, basically. There wasn't any, like, heartwarming incident where I, like found a reason to be okay no none of that none of that there's nothing just i just stopped he just went no you have no power over me and then presumably gave it like a tummy rub no more <laughs> and now as as you can confirm i will melt into a puddle of jelly because i love dogs this is true you can send it any dog adjacent creature and she'll just turn into a little pile of jelly. This is babies. They're babies. <laughs> you gotta love the baby. It's the baby. Gotta love it. Oh god, I'm just having flashbacks to dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can do an episode of dinosaurs because that show freaked me out. <laughs> but I haven't got it on my list so we can't cover it. Another time, perhaps. Another time. But I'll tell you what is on my list. Uh, not a movie this time, not piracy or PSA. It's from a video game. Now, when you hear video games that scare people, what do you think, Vera? What sort of game springs to mind? Well, there's this little one, known one that I'm not sure if you've heard of. It's called um, Five Nights at Freddy's. I don't know Never if you... Yeah, it's it's not very well known, honestly. No, but you wouldn't think of, for example, uh, Sonic Adventure Two. Uh huh. Yeah. So, um, for anyone who hasn't played Sonic Adventure Two, it is a game where you play as Sonic and his friends as they go on an adventure. Two. And they go all around the world, they go through, like, San Francisco, and they go through, like, the pyramids of Egypt. Except, you know, not the actual pyramids, but, you know. And at one point in the pyramid level, you play as Knuckles, who's, like, his little treasure-hunting friend. 
And it's quite a hard level when I was like a little kid. I was only like six or seven trying to play this. And like you have to go around the pyramid avoiding all the traps, try and find pieces of like this big emerald. And when you find them all, you go into a boss fight. And um Vera, let me show you a picture of the boss that you encounter in this game. Uh just a second. Uh, see, I've run into a problem now. <laughs> That's probably evident for most of our peers. In that I look up the boss in question, and it is not very frightening whatsoever. <laughs> That's what happens when you look back at childhood fears. Some are justified. Others, mm, less so. Not so much. So, um, as I was saying, after this level, you collect all the little thingies in the pyramid. Um, you go into a boss fight... And actually, let's ask you again, Vera. You have a few uh, pyramid level. What would you expect to fight against as a boss? Probably, you know, a mummy, some big totem or something. You know, the basics, the classics, maybe, I don't know, Anubis or something. So not, for example, and this is my personal description of it, a skinned frog. Painted white, with tie-dye applied to its eyes and tongue, with its front legs removed and its back legs moved to its chest. Screaming the entire height of the room and chasing you around in a circle as the most horrifying music to a child plays. <laughs> that doesn't seem applicable to a pyramid level? I don't think that counts as thematic, personally. You know, horrifying, screaming, laughing frog ghosts. And what made it worse that was that not only was I scared of this boss, it was just really hard for me because the entire fight, you are running around this big pillar in the middle of the room trying to get away from it and trying to get behind it to knock over this hourglass that like makes it shrink or whatever. No, that's fine. But the thing is, I was, um, to put it lightly, a fool as a child. And I didn't realise that running around the inside of the big ring in the middle of the room would make you cover less distance and therefore make you go faster. So I was running on the outside of the ring, going slower than this big horrible ghost that would catch up to me and attack me. And if you don't approach the back of the ghost fast enough, it will turn around and again scream in your face. <laughs> it made this entire experience absolutely mortifying. And the thing is with this fight, it comes out of nowhere. In a couple other levels, you see these like little ghosts about, and it's like, oh, that's cute. And this guy's called the King of the Ghosts. But, like, again, he's in the middle of a pyramid, and after the boss fight, it's never brought up again. You fight a completely different boss afterwards, like some giant Egyptian-themed robot made by Eggman. Which you'd expect in a Sonic game, in a pyramid level, not this horrifying frog ghost demon. <laughs> You're here to fight Eggman. This is just a deep, unearthed horror that has nothing to do with it. And if you asked Eggman about it, he would have no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> exactly. It's just... There's no justification of this thing existing. It's absolutely monstrous. And again, because the fight was so hard, and because it scared me so much, it took me, like... And this is like childhood time, which feels like far longer than it was. It must have been months before I could beat this thing. It was absolutely terrifying and difficult. And when I finally did it, I was celebrating for at least a few minutes till I got stuck on the next boss. It happens. They're there. Just, just, ugh. 
horrible, horrible boss fights. So, Vera, um, it's your turn. Why don't you bring us into your next fear? Ooh, rolling them bones. Alright, so <laughs> this one is a film this time. Now it's my turn for a scary film. And you, what film is it, you might ask? Oh, shall I ask? Um, <laughs> what film is it, Vera? Thank you. The film was specifically, We're Back, A Dinosaur's Story. Oh! Oh, hello. I've heard of this. Now, I don't know. I It, it was somewhat pop. It was one of those kind of forced into B-tier animated movie status ones because it wasn't made by one of the big ones. It was in that era where it just kind of got passed over. Wasn't it one of those um, Don Bluth ones where he was just cranking them out nonstop? Yep. Okay. It was something. So, um, for the unintuitive listeners at home, do you want to give, like, a brief synopsis? Even just the concept of the movie of We Are Back, A Dinosaur Story. I think the title is pretty self-evident, but just in case. You know, it's... you might as well, but basically, you see, anthropomorphized dinosaurs exist because apparently... A time-traveling old scientist went back to the past and let some dinosaurs eat a weird brain-grain cereal. Yes, that is its actual name. Brain-grain. <laughs> is it the opposite of the brain drain from Batman Forever? <laughs> I guess so, because it does give them sentience. So it's nice Jurassic Park, then. Yes, but also they get teleported to the future, and instead of being horrifying menaces, they try not to be noticed by society, and also are helped by two ragamuffin children. <laughs> so it's nice Jurassic Park cross with Luca, I guess. Yeah. However, um... There are a couple things in this movie that are a little... Hmm. Yeah? How so? How so are they? Hmm. Two moments in particular show up in my mind, both of which being connected to the villain of the series, which is the, like, the brother of the time-traveling doctor who created these creatures who okay. is named, and I quote, Professor Screw Eyes, because one of his eyes is a screw. Screw eyes, but only one of his eyes is a screw. Yes. It's also a pun on the fact that his brother's name is New Eyes. No, it's not. No, it isn't. Yes, it is! It's fr what, did he have his eyes replaced with new ones? Listen, I can quote, 
the prehistoric beings have traveled to the present day and become intelligent by eating a brain grain cereal invented by scientist Captain New Eyes, who wants dinosaurs to personally be seen by children. What? So, but the villain well, is his evil brother, Professor Screw Eyes, who wants the dinosaurs me. for his weird time circus. I'm sorry, time circus? It's a circus what? that travels through time and space. Fuck me, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Fuck showing dinosaurs to children. Give me the time circus. Same. <laughs> So, what makes him so evil, then? So, well, because obviously he's trying to do it in a weird, unethical way, because circus ringmasters are all villains, because, oh, you know... No an ethical circus. I mean, yeah. I also, and essentially, his plan is to eventually, like, force onto these dinosaurs what is the opposite of this brain-grain cereal to force them into ego death and return them to feral dinosaurs. <laughs> oh my god, he is using the brain drain from Batman Forever. Yes. <laughs> He's the Riddler. Lit no, literally. <laughs> literally. Screw Eyes devolves the children into chimpanzees using brain drain pills <laughs> that are the polar opposite of brain drain. <laughs> it's just the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> All I can think of is, I was going to say better movies, hmm, debatable, but... Uh, wait, hang on, why is he called... You said he has a screw for AI. Yes. How? It is an empty socket with, a with just the head of a screw appearing out of it. I'm going to avoid the question of why, of all things, he decides to put a screw in there. That sounds unhygienic. Oh, don't but... don't worry. It will be used to a very good effect after. It will be used to very good effect in the second horrifying moment I'm going to tell you about. You still haven't told me about the first horrifying moment. I am on the edge of my seat. The her the first horrifying moment was that the two ragamuffin children that were traveling with them was taken hostage by the circus ringmaster. And he fed okay. them brain drain pills to devolve them into <laughs> monkey. He fed them brain force plus. Yes. yes. And <laughs> That's what happened. And de-evolved them back into monkeys. And, and the only the way that he would let them go was by the dinosaurs taking the pills and joining his circus act. Not to keep referencing other movies, but this does sound a bit like Pinocchio, where they start turning into donkeys. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. So, but, I understand one, why that would scare you. The horrifying ordeal of seeing these cute cartoons- Oh, also, when the dinosaurs gain sentience, they turn into cutesy, cartoonish versions of themselves. Well, but like when they lose- time. Yes, but when they lose their sentience, they turn back into, like, horrific, realistic dinosaurs. Like, the carnivores from Man Before Time. <laughs> yes! Literally! <laughs> so, was that the scary- the second scary scene where they turn into giant, horrible, feral dinosaurs? No, that's the first scary scene of, A, these characters gaining sentience at the beginning of the movie, and then literally losing it and becoming feral monsters- 
Because okay. it's just, wow, they basically just died, didn't they? Oh, That's God. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's the other scary scene? The other scary scene is, due to shenanigans, the, the children turn back to humans and save the dinosaurs from the ring. And okay. the, ri- the ring? Of, the, yes, the <laughs> circus <laughs> ring. The, the circus oh, ring. I thought, you meant, I thought you meant the movie, The Ring. They watched <laughs> me have seven days to live. <laughs> no. Samara comes out of the well and tries to drag them back to the Mesozoic era. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so they've been saved from the circus ring. Okay, so far so normal. And you see, and the professor, just Professor Screw Eyes, is defeated and left by himself. But he seems to have gotten his strange technological know-how and mystery powers from what I can only describe as a giant sentient flock of crows? What? (laughs) Hang on. He has all these crows hanging around his circus and being, like, like, always watching and him being able to see them, what they see, with his screw eye... What? What's the what's the correlation between having a screw for an eye and this connection to crows? And what happened to his old eye? I don't know. It has to be in the movie somewhere. Let me. And I'm gonna look so, it up actually. Well, this was made based off of an old, uh, like a very old story, so it might be in there. Who knows? We are back. A dinosaur story. You continue. You continue with the scary scene revolving around the um the crows. While I look into what's going on here. Well, you see, all the like he's left alone in the middle of the circus ring, and suddenly all the crows have gathered on the rafters, just looking at him silently, and he's shouting at them, promising he can get a new act that he can make this work, and um. Then all the crows swoop down and just completely cover him while he screams. And then they all fly away and there is nothing left but a single screw. Uh, So I just found the deleted scene, which describes how he loses his eye. And that makes the ending even more horrifying. Vera, do you want to know how Professor Screw-Eyes lost his non-screw-eye? Hit me with that horrible lost childhood lore! So, quoting the villain's wiki, which cites no sources, but I have no reason to doubt them, and I quote, In a deleted scene, he explains that he lost his left eye as a child when he was snoozing by a berry bush, and after a berry fell upon his eye, a crow pecked for the fruit, while at the same time, taking his eye... Ever since then, Screw Eyes decided that the world around him never made any sense, and therefore acts accordingly to life's senseless ways by using fear to get his way. Because of this instance, he has a fear of crows and uses this in his acts. This way, even while he fears the crows, they are still under his control. What the fuck? And then they eat him alive! So, <laughs> the tragedy of Dr. Screw Eyes is... Not only did he have his eye pecked out as a crow, which gave him so much trauma that it shapes his entire life afterwards, but he also dies by the crows as well. Oh my god. You live by the crows, you die by the crows. (laughs) I mean, 
And just thematically, it just doesn't match at all. In a dinosaur movie, you think he'd die by, like, getting sent back in time and getting eaten by dinosaurs, or getting stepped on by a dinosaur in modern times or something, not being devoured by a piranha-like swarm of crows. <laughs> but that's how it goes! That's how it went, ladies and gentlemen. And understandably, seeing a man implied to be eaten alive by crows to the point where only his eye was left was moderately horrifying to me as a child. Was it his screw eye that was left? Yes, it was just of the screw. Of course it was. Oh my god. <laughs> ah. Jesus. And that's why the screw is important, Rabbits. <laughs> that's why the screw is important. Horrifying. Awful, horrible movie. And I will absolutely be viewing it as soon as I find out where to view it. We should definitely watch it sometime. You would love we it. Need... Oh, thanks. <laughs> I do love seeing people be swarmed by crows and devoured alive. It's a favorite pastime. It's my favorite. <laughs> so, speaking of movies that aren't that scary but have one absolutely horrifying scene, I would like to turn to a very similar movie to We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. Uh, Terminator 2. <laughs> Go on. So, like I said, like We're Back a Dinosaur Story, Terminator 2 also involves time travel, but instead of funny dinosaurs voiced by John Goodman of all people, it involves scary robots coming back in time to kill children. So, like I said, very similar. Yeah, close enough. And when I was wee, I think I would have been about maybe 11 or 12 no not that not as wee as the sonic adventure 2 ghost terrifying me but you know a little bit older but still naive about the world uh terminator 2 was on the tv so i was thought okay i'll watch it it's a cool you know it's a cool movie and yeah you had arnold stomping about being like i must protect the child and shooting people and it's like yeah i love this but um vera have you seen terminator 2 just for context it has been a while, but I have. So, um, there is a scene in Terminator 2, as you know, where the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, calls up the foster parents of John Connor because they are on the run from a transforming liquid metal Terminator called the T-1000s. So Arnold calls them up and uses John Connor's voice to ask them about the dog. But it uses the wrong name for the dog, which the foster parent replies with using... So the Terminator knows that the foster parents are dead and they're being imitated by the T-1000s. But it's the mother that's imitating at the moment, so we're thinking, hang on, how does he know the dad's dead? And so Terminator puts down the phone, the mother puts down the phone, and the screen pans to the side, pans to the side and sees her arm stretch out, but it has like a gradient and it turns from skin colour to like shiny metal, and it ends in this frame, Vera, which I will send you now. Oh boy! Yeah. <laughs> so now I remember that scene. Oh good. So for our listeners, um, it is an image of the foster father's head, spears all the way through on a giant metal spike arm, along with the carton of milk he was drinking from, with blood at the end of the stick, and his eyes rolled back. And as you can expect, 
I screamed and fled the room. Understandably. Um, looking at it now, as with a lot of stuff on this list, it's less graphic than I remember. I remember, like, blood and milk coming from his mouth and, like, him twitching and stuff. And, like, that doesn't happen in the movie. That's just overactive child imagination seeing something horrifying for the first time. But Jesus Christ. And I don't think there's anything as graphic as that in the movie, really. Like, maybe the T-1000 game blown to bit to the end, but that's like, well, metal, it's fine. But this is just, like, a guy who's just drinking some milk. We have... We jumped from... Other incidences were robot violence, and this is meat violence. <laughs> it's meat and dairy violence. Meat no, they... and dairy violence! They say milk gives you strong bones, but look, that went straight through his head. No, I don't know Not what to strong think. enough. See, it's low-fat milk. That's the problem. If it was pure milk, then he'd be fine. It would have just bounced off him like a whittle bat. Exactly. Remember, kids, drink your milk. <laughs> but not around time-traveling robots with liquid metal skeletons. Yeah, yeah. That's It's an important part of the rule that people always forget to mention. And, yeah, it was... I don't think I actually finished the movie until I was like... 16. <laughs> because I was just not brave enough to go back to it, because I just remember that scene in my head. I just this guy with his head speared all the way through while he's drinking his milk. And I was thinking, maybe it's somewhat cheating to put it on this list, because, you know, it's technically... It's kind of a horror film. The first Terminator was. This one's more of an action movie. And this is meant to be a scary scene. But just the um, impression that it left on me all this time is just absolutely horrifying. <laughs> No, I get it. It counts. I don't think there's as many layers to it as Professor Screw Eyes being eaten alive by crows, and also his deleted backstory where crows peck his eye out. But <laughs> I don't think I need but to explain I this. I saw a guy get his head speared through when I was twelve. Yeah, that one's a pretty open and shut case. <laughs> Let's wrap it up, boys. We did it. Take that one of the banks. And speaking of wrapping up, let's wrap up this part. Join us in part three, where we cover the final three points of our lists and close out this episode on our sometimes embarrassing, sometimes justified childhood fears. See you soon, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Did I hear you right? Did I hear you saying that you're gonna make a copy of a game without paying? Come on, guys. I thought you knew better. Don't copy that floppy. Did I hear you saying that you're gonna make a copy of a game without paying? Come on, guys! I thought you knew better. Don't copy that floppy! Welcome back, everyone. Uh, how you doing, Vera, after that break? Doing alright. Got a drink. Had a good time. Good, me too. Hydrated myself. And I'm ready to talk about our final three childhood fears. Woo! So, would you like to start us off? Heck yeah! So, my next one is a little more inexplicable than some of the others. Yeah. But, you know, we're all kids once. <laughs> we're all scared by dumb things. As we've covered, yes. As we have covered exhaustively.
so mine is the fact that I was totally convinced of the rhyme, step on a crack and break your mother's back. When you say convinced, you don't mean... No, you don't mean that. No, I do mean that. No, no, you're lying. You have to be. <laughs> no, I am not lying. That's what makes it worse. Vera, you poor thing. <gasps> what? You believe that if you stepped on a crack, you would, in fact, break your mother's back. I did, in fact. <laughs> Can you talk me through this? Can you remember when it began? I mean, I was pretty young. I remember this in, like, second or third grade-ish. Oh, God. Do you remember when it stopped? I mean... Was it the uh, first time you stepped on a crack and your mother's back did not, in fact, break? It was... It was a slow, inevitable realization of... Alright, I mean, I haven't missed every one of them. Oh, God. I'm just imagining the first crank you ever stepped on, and just you having this horrifying scream of "No!" Yes, I was. Listen, amazing no. test grades, not the sharpest tool in the shed. No, you poor thing. I just want to scoop you up. Ah, no. listen, I was, I was a very simple creature. <laughs> so can you give me like a time frame of when you stopped believing like how old were you when you stopped believing it i think it was around the end of third grade give or take okay which okay, is so it wasn't it wasn't that long no this was not a last till like 16 fear <laughs> this wasn't like the shower nightmares no, thankfully <laughs> I I got a lot of logical I got a lot of logical reasons as to how I couldn't be afraid of this one pretty quickly. You start taking your, you start taking your brain green, that's it. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't even know what questions to ask on this one. It's just wild. Yeah, no, I had to throw this one in. I like there's not a lot to talk about on it, but I don't think there needs to be. I think I can just put this out here and go, here you go. Yeah. Just put that out on the internet. Vera Innsmouth Inn, during all third grade, believed that if she stepped on a crack, it would in fact break her mother's back. Now, all of the internet knows I am cringe. <laughs> You're not cringe, Vera. We all love you. Ah, thank you. And you can, and you can show your love by liking and subscribing. <laughs> That's how you show your love. Oh, I realize we stopped doing the silver lining bit fairly early on as they got more and more ridiculous. But was there any plus sides to vehemently not stepping on cracks throughout third grade? Or was it just painful paranoia? No, I didn't get anything out of it. Oh. Uh, I guess one last question on this. Was your mother aware that you believed this? Did she notice you refusing to step on cracks? 
I don't know. I also felt for some reason that she couldn't know and I was totally protecting her. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing, Vera? And you're like, stay back. I'll handle this. <laughs> I'll handle this. It's for your own guts. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just... Oh. And then I mission impossible a under a bunch of lasers, but they're all cracks this, on the floor. This feels like an episode of Arthur. <laughs> That's you now, Vera. You're a character from Arthur. You're a little sheep who's just avoiding all the cracks in the path. It's true. I'm I'm this week's lesson. <laughs> hey kids, don't be like Vera. She's making a lot of mistakes in her life. God. Now oh. you know. Now you. Now I know the truth, and so does everyone listening to this. <laughs> and so does this entirety of the internet. It's better this way. You're not hiding it anymore. Exactly. Do you have anything else to say about this one, or shall I move on to my last big childhood fear? It's okay, kids. You can test it. Just just poke your foot. Just poke a crack with your foot. It's fine. Breaking news tomorrow. <laughs> Mothers across the world have had their backs split in half. Totally shattered. <laughs> yeah. I have spoken this into reality. Reduced to atoms. God bless. And speaking of safety, I've got to stop doing these segues. None of them are good. No, no, I think you need to do them more. <laughs> and speaking of more, here's more content. Woo! We love content. There was a horrible thunder sound in the background that wasn't audible. But I want you to know, it very handily highlighted your wonderful segue. And speaking of segues, the other kind of segue, this final fear is regarding road safety. Now, as a child, I was not afraid of the road. And part of that is because of an organisation in the UK called Think. And that's Think with an exclamation mark at the end. And that whole thing was road safety adverts. They were putting out little short videos about road safety, getting to think, getting to stop, look and listen before you cross the road. I know it works, and part of it was because they had the best mascots on the planet. They have these little 2D animated hedgehogs who just walk along the road, they sing a little song about not getting into, you know, car accidents by crossing the road badly. I'll put a little snippet of it here. You know the road well, but you never can tell. You've got to be wise, you can be surprised. It's on the road you know. And as you can hear, it's like adorable. It's absolutely the sweetest safety thing I've ever heard. It's not like a horrifying sweaty guy making things explode in his basement. It's so precious. <laughs> and it's nice, you know, it's not making you terrified of the road, it's making you think, be careful, be like these little hedgehogs. But in around 2008, uh, Think decided that the message just wasn't getting through. 
So they rolled out a new advert, Ditching the Hedgehogs. The advert was called The Boy Who Didn't Stop, Look, and Listen. And I'm going to put in the audio for that right here. The Boy Who Didn't Stop, Look, and Listen. Before his leg was bent backwards, he loved to play football all day. But the boy didn't cross in a safe place where he could see cars come his way. He then didn't stop, look, and listen. The car hit him at quite a pace. And now he cannot play football because his leg broke in more than one place. So, um, if the audio for that wasn't scary enough, let me read a synopsis of it from publicinformationfilms.fandom.com. Ahem. The advert shows a boy standing by the side of a road reliving his misjudged attempt to cross a road. He was playing football with some friends before deciding to cross the road without following the green cross code. Stop, look, and listen. This resulted in him being run over by a car. The advert concludes with his friends in present time correctly crossing the road before playing football. He pissed pants! (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't read this whole summary before. Before I... Before I read it out loud, but it just ends in. The advert concludes that his friends were in time, correctly crossed the road before playing football. Full stop. And in all lowercase, he pissed pants. <laughs> uh, uh, I... Once again, not audible due to the power of audio editing, but there was a huge peal of thunder after the words, he pissed pants. Uh, it's just, uh, 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 and that doesn't even happen in the thing. He doesn't piss pants. But even that synopsis doesn't cover the visual horror of it. Um, did you see the film Big Eyes, Vera? No, but I'm making some guesses based off the name. Call it a hunch. <laughs> well, the Tim Burton sort of. Calling it a docudrama is probably giving it more credit than it's due. But it's about this woman who paints these pictures of, like, big-eyed children and stuff. And that's what these look like. They just look like these horrifying, haunted little freaks. <laughs> Even when they're alive, they look wrong. But when you see this horrifying, mangled child just limping along in his blood-stained shirt and his bags under his eyes. I pissed pants when I saw that. It's horrifying. Imagine, like... Oh, 2007. Oh, I'm looking at these little hedgehogs crossing the road. Oh, it's sweet. And then all of a sudden, oh, this boy didn't stop looking, listen. And now he's been torn to shreds. Like, holy shit. A little, just, just a little horrifying. He piss pants. <laughs> she piss pants. We all piss pants seeing whatever the hell that was. <laughs> no, I was not immune to piss pants. None of us are. There were multiple adverts in this little campaign. I'm not going to read out all of them or give samples of all of them. There was also the girl who didn't dress bright in the dark. Where it's like a girl crossing the road at night and then she gets hit by a car because the driver couldn't see her. But... Jesus. And... Nice and cheery, guys. Nice and cheery. 
for me, the previous adverts working just fine. I always come for the road. When I saw stuff like that, it wasn't even that I was afraid of the road. I was just afraid of these adverts. I just didn't want to see them. It's absolutely horrifying. Like, Vera, do you have any sort of PSAs in America regarding crossing the roads? Or do they just sort of leave you to die? No, it's... It's something mainly taught, or just the very occasional cartoon, Hey, look both ways before you cross the street! And then you look both ways before you cross the street, and then it's over. Because, like, the UK's had various crossing-the-road campaigns. Um, Tufty was one of them, who was, like, this little stop-motion squirrel puppet who was, like, a total dickhead who just didn't know how to cross the road. And then there was Splink, which stood for... Uh, give me a second, actually. Let me search up what Splink stood for. And that's S-P-L-I-N-K. Splink. Splink! Splink. Here we are, yes. So, first it was Tufty, advertising the Green Cross Code, who again was just this idiot squirrel child who didn't know how to cross the road. And then it became Splink, hosted by uh, first Doctor actor John Pertwee. And actually, a little thought experiment with Vera. What do you think Splink stands for? I got nothing, I'm gonna be honest. I just keep thinking about the word Splink. <laughs> so, Splink stands for first find a safe place to cross and stop, stand on the pavement near the curb. You see where this is going? Look all around for traffic and listen. At least that one starts with the letter. If traffic is coming, let it pass. When there is no traffic near, walk straight across the road. And finally, keep looking and listening for traffic while you cross. <laughs> Absolutely useless. Head empty. <laughs> Only split. One more time. <laughs> so, one more time. If we take the letters that Splink stands for, it stands for safe, pavement, look, if, no, keep. Thanks, John Pertwee. Extremely helpful. Just looks into the camera and goes, Splink! But I'll have to put in a clip of him saying Splink right here. Splink! Splink! <laughs> um, one more fun fact, actually, before we leave this topic. Um, the former Green Cross Code man was actually David Prowse, who was the body actor for Darth Vader in the original Star Wars films. The more you know. So, Vera, would you like to take us through the final fear on your list to top off this podcast? The last fear. The greatest of them all. The greatest fear of all mankind. Again, I haven't seen this list that Vera's talking about, so I am buzzing <laughs> to hear what's on it. We, we have come to the one that is ancient and venerable. Horrifying. That is, Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious! Oh, you have unlocked a well of memories, my friends. I oh want... my god. Really? Yes, really. I've <laughs> That movie horrified me as a child. <laughs> so... 
First of all, when you say chat, how old were you when you first saw Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island? Eight or nine, maybe? Okay, alright. I think I was about the same when I saw it. And... <laughs> I'm sorry. This is tickling me so much and I don't know why. So, um... Do you want to give a brief synopsis of the plot of Scooby-Doo on Zombie Islands? I mean... For anyone um, who doesn't know. Alright, let's let's find ourselves a synopsis, shall we? Ooh, let's. Now it's your turn to read. So, you see, after the squad, the gang reunite after a year-long hiatus of Mystery Inc. because apparently I don't know, they're a business and or some kind of official group in this continuity. They're in a world where there aren't ghosts, right? Basically. They're just those guys you see on Discovery Channel who are like trying to exercise houses. Except the exercise spirit is always just the local fish store owner. Mmm, fish store. <laughs> Going down to the fish store. So yes, after a long time separated, all of them doing their own things, they eventually all come back together for a road trip to a bunch of haunted locations that is scouted by the TV show that Daphne started. And so with that, we move on, and on their trip, they head down to Louisiana. And so, there is shenanigans abound. There's ghosts. As always. There's stories of areas being haunted. You know, the ancient ghost of an old Confederate soldier, actually, which is... Ugh. But let's well, let's it's mostly pirates, isn't it? It's pirates and confederates and also tourists. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Including the ghost pirate Morgan Moonscar, because God, Morgan Moonscar. But you he see, actually got his, he, he actually got his Moonscar when he was sleeping under a berry bush and a berry fell in his eye, and then a crow pecked it, and it left him with a moon-shaped scar. The more you know. <laughs> so. Basically, on the way to the island, they stay there despite the warnings anyway, and eventually they're chased off by a horde of zombies. And, you know, Shaggy and Scooby run away, because of course they do. And Velma suspects some people, but, and, but Fred and Daphne actually capture one of the zombies and try to pull off their mask. And um, the horrifying thing is... These zombies are super real. Yeah, this was the first Scooby-Doo movie in the main continuity, not counting 13 Ghosts and not counting Ghoul School or Boo Brothers, that had real ghosts and monsters in it. And, like, were you aware of them being real before you watched the movie, or was this a big reveal for you? This was a big reveal for me, and also the zombies <laughs> oh, no. were well and horrifically animated. Mmm, because this was 1999, 98, I want to say? Yep, September 22nd, 1998. And they are incredibly smoothly animated. There's a lot of detail. 
and I can see why that terrified you. But counterpoint, were you also terrified by the true villains of the movie? The true villains? You mean the horrifying, hissing werecats that came on the screen and gave me a fucking heart attack? Yes, I am! I mean the terrifying cat women, yes. Hey, there was a there was a cat man too. <laughs> there was a token cat man there as well. But he, he wasn't part of the gang, was he? You know, he wasn't one of the originals. Exactly, just a poser. He just, he's just that guy who shows up to every party and just pretends he knows people. Fake fan. He's a fake cat man. <laughs> So yes, immortal, ancient, horrifying werecats, which hissed loudly at the screen, definitely just... who? Yeah, I understand you being scared of that, and especially... Do you remember how they die? Does it say in the synopsis? Oh, you mean how they disintegrate and their flesh sloughs off their bones? Yeah, how they disintegrate and their flesh drops off their bones. Because they didn't... What, they don't sacrifice enough souls to their cat god? Before the harvest moon ends? Something like that? Something along those lines, yeah. Just... (laughs) (laughs) See, I absolutely love this movie, but, like, I don't think I was ever scared of it. But I think... I'm trying to think... No, I must have seen it when I was young, because I also remember watching all the sequels as well. Did you watch the sequels? Nope. Ooh, okay. No, that's that's a funny thing. I have, in fact, yeah? not returned to the Zombie Island series. I have not even watched the movie again since I was a child, because I was so deeply horrified and have never watched it since. <laughs> well, I say the um sequels, that's not quite accurate because they take place in the same continuities and they're you know adults they're not teenagers anymore they're like doing different mysteries but they all tend to be real so there was the witch's ghost which has i believe tim curry as the bad guy of it i remember the witch's ghost and alien invaders do you remember the witch's ghost just because it has the hex skills in it no actually i had a huge crush on the tim curry villain you heard it here first folks I'm not gonna lie! <laughs> no, you're not. You're not gonna be basic and say you liked the Hex Girls. You're gonna say, I liked evil Tim Curry. And you know what? Absolutely valid. Listen, I liked both. <laughs> Equality. And, as we say, Alien Invaders, where Shaq and Scooby gets reptile alien girlfriends. That sure does happen. And then the final one in that series was The Cyber Chase. Did you ever see that one? I fucking loved Cyber Chase. <laughs> okay, I think we might need to give Cyber Chase its own episode at some stage. But while we're talking about sequels, there is an actual sequel to Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. And it only came out a couple of years ago. I think it was 2019 for the um, 20th anniversary or near to it. Um, yeah, no, Return I just looked Island. it up. Return to Zombie yeah. Island. 2019. Which retcons a lot of the original details, for some reason. 
absolutely not. Do not touch that cursed object. Put it back in the ground. <laughs> so, if there was a signature scene from Scooby-Doo Zombie Island that terrified you the most, what would you say it was? Just the zombies when they first rose clawing out of the ground. One and two. The cat transformation before just hissing at the screen in something that is immortalized in my memory. It's... I can see why it would scare you. It is... Especially in context... Do you watch old Scooby-Doo when you were kids? Like, were you raised on that before watching Zombie Island or now? Oh, yeah, I grew up on that. Because there is a massive contrast from, oh no, it's old man Jenkins, to, oh no, it's the horrifying cat Amazons who are going to... Oh god, remember the voodoo doll scene? I sure do! Where they whack the dolls next to a fireplace by accident, and Fred's Daphne and Velma just start melting. Mm-hmm! Jesus. <laughs> Maybe we should just do an episode on this movie. <laughs> you see, that sound just makes me want to do it more now. Okay, I take that as a sign we just stop talking about Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island now. I... I will survive. Just... Okay. <sighs> it was... I mean, I should someday watch it again, because remember, I have not watched that since I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? Maybe you'll like it now. Or maybe it'll still scare you to the bone. Like those cat women were stripped to the bone. Woo! <laughs> so, there was the end of our list of childhood fears, justified and non-justified. Uh, would you say there's any common factors between all of them? For either of us, or both of us? Kids are silly creatures. <laughs> they are. I'm glad I never was one. It's true. I'm glad to have spontaneously germinated from my spores. Surprise, these were all lies. We were never children. Fools, we are the aliens from Alien Invaders. <laughs> we are the reptile aliens. Ah. <laughs> so, is that our closing thoughts on our childhood fears? Children are silly, they are scared of weird things, and in hindsight, it's something we can bond over. Yeah, I think that covers it pretty well. Also, All right. some movies that were made for children might not have been made for children. <laughs> I don't think We Are Back was made for anyone, except Don Bluth himself. Absolutely. So, that was episode two of Undead Rabbits. Again, did you ever think we'd make it this far? Nope. Didn't think we'd make it past not even starting. But here we are. <laughs> Look where we are now. And if you'd like to follow the Undead Rabbits podcast uh, for updates on production, you can follow the Twitter account at, at UndeadRabbitsYT on Twitter. We also have a Tumblr account. Just search for the URL UndeadRabbits, where you can ask us questions. Yeah, and you can find me over at Innsmouth Inn on Twitter, where I post art, but I haven't posted anything new in a while, and I should. Hey gang, maybe we should commission Vera to draw some cool things. <sighs> that is an available option, yes.
Right, so, from me, Undead Rabbits, and from Vera, see you next time, gang. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Bye. Bye.